You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're going through the series entitled 10 and uh, this is actually our fourth installment. We've uh, talked about uh, loyalty to God. Uh, we talked about idolatry. Last week we talked about do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain by representing Him well and also by being careful with what, how we speak. And today we're going to be speaking about Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. And, you know, there are maybe a lot of questions on this particular topic. Uh, this is probably among the Ten Commandments. It's probably one of the most confusing uh, to follow. Uh, the other nine commandments are moral uh, in nature, but this is more like ceremonial in nature. And so we'd like to look at uh, how this is applicable for us in the 21st century. In fact, one of my small group members asked me the other day, uh, Pastor, what is the real Sabbath for us today? Is it a Saturday or is it a Sunday? How many of you think it's still a Saturday? Please raise your hand. How many of you think Sabbath is supposed to be on a Sunday? Please raise your hand. How many of you, no matter what I ask, you will never raise your hand? Okay, all right, good. <laughs> all right, so we, we hope to answer this question for us this morning. Just to give us a short recap on why, why we entitled this series 10, Perfect Law, Perfect Love. Basically, the summary statement for us this whole series is, the perfect law was given by our perfect God out of His perfect love for us. And the Ten Commandments is not meant for us to have a more difficult life, but actually God intended for us to have a more blessed life. Do you believe that? God wants you to be blessed. Please tell the person beside you. Okay, turn to the person to your right and tell that person, God wants you blessed. Okay? Sabi mo sa kanya, God wants you to be blessed. And I hope that you believe that because that's really in the heart of God. When God gave these Ten Commandments, in fact, this is not known initially as Ten Commandments, but as Decalogue, meaning ten words. These are the ten tenets or the ten items or the ten blessings that He has in His covenant for us. And this is meant to show His love for His people because He delivered His people from the bondage in Egypt. And after doing that, that's the only time that He actually expected them to reciprocate His love that He has shown to them. And how many of you know that He who has been given much loves much? And I believe that we have been receiving so much blessing from the Lord. That's why it's easier for us to love Him because of His blessings for us. Amen. And I believe that, you know, when you talk about having children, your children naturally would love you because of the way you take care of them. You know, it's, uh, it's so natural. The relationship is there. Um, you know, you have, uh, you spend time together. And so it's just normal for them to obey you every time you give them a, a command or an order. And that's the same is with our God. When He showed us His Ten Commandments, we respond not out of duty or obligation, but out of our love as well for Him. That's why when... Uh, when someone asks the Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He basically summarized it by saying, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is kind of like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so today we're going to be looking at this particular command, the fourth command, keep the Sabbath holy. Everybody say, keep the Sabbath holy. If you look at the text, uh, this is the longest commandment that was written in the, you know, in the Decalogue. 
uh, because you know God explained further why He inserted this command. All the others are just point blank. Do not murder. Do not kill or do not steal or do not commit adultery. But this one, He took the time to explain in remembering to keep the Sabbath holy and He said the reason why He wanted us to keep the Sabbath holy. You know, some of the questions that may arise uh, within us today in our Christian circle is, uh, should we do nothing on a Sabbath? You know, when you talk about Sabbath, it's about just, you know, not just working, but really doing nothing. You know, can we actually go out of town uh, on Sabbath and miss worship? Okay? I'm not referring to anyone here, okay? Because you are here today. But anyway, you know, is Sabbath all about just the way we spend time with God in church, in the area of worship, or is every day a day of worship unto the Lord? You know, if uh, maybe a question might arise, if you are busy in your work or maybe in your business, and if you work eight days continuous in a given week or more than a week, have you violated the Sabbath if you've continued to work for eight days? So those are some of the questions that we want to answer today, and I hope that we will have clarity in the way we would actually observe our Sabbath. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading our text this morning. We will read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. This is three verses for us this morning. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8 to 11. If you are reading from the ESV version, I'd like to invite you to read along with me out loud with your beautiful voice. Medyo mag-modulate muna kayo. Okay? Verse 8. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, which is a foreigner, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have given us rest in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to enjoy this Sabbath that you call and we ask that you would give us wisdom on how to apply this in our life today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher and our guide. Open up our hearts to have an attitude of obedience uh, to your word and to your command. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're talking about the fourth commandment and we're talking about Sabbath. You know, if you look at the word Sabbath from uh, its definition in Hebrew, it's, it's coming from the Hebrew word Shabbat, okay? Which literally means rest. Everybody say rest or cease from work. Okay, now how many of you need rest on a regular basis? Okay, I think that's all of us, right? How many of you normally go to a vacation? You go out of town or out of the country. Now, how many of you sometimes feel that you need a vacation after your vacation? Okay, because you know you've done so many things in your vacation and hopefully that you have rested there, but in effect, you know, in effect, you're actually you know, spent all your energy going around and you need a rest before you go back to work. When we visited Israel, it's interesting to note that, of course, they, they observe the Sabbath 
And how is that compared to us as Christians uh, here living in the Philippines? You know, when you talk about Sabbath, what is Sabbath? And when is it observed? Of course, we know that in the Scripture, in the Jewish tradition uh, of a Sabbath, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, it says, Six days you shall work and be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation or assembly. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So, in other words, for the Jew, Sabbath actually happens from Friday sundown, which is at 6 p.m., until Saturday, 6 p.m. So effectively, it's like a 24-hour thing. And so the whole Saturday is observed as a Sabbath. And so when we were in Israel, we actually observed that as we were going into Jerusalem, uh, Friday afternoon, the people are actually in a hurry closing their stores. If you are not uh, aware of that, you may actually miss your dinner because no one will sell you dinner anymore, uh, especially if they're Jews. Of course, there are some non-Jews that uh, sell still on Friday evening, but that is more like the observation of the Jews. There's also what you call a uh, Shabbat or a Sabbath elevator. If you go to a hotel, uh, it says there and it's marked Sabbath elevator and there's one that is marked blank. There's a story of a pastor who actually uh, was a first, having a first time a, a tour in Israel and uh, he went to one such hotel and he saw that in the Sabbath elevator, there's such a long line. You know, uh, waiting for the elevator to come down because the Sabbath elevator actually stops at every floor. So if you are, you know, living in an apartment with 25 floors, so you can imagine if you live in the 25th floor, the Sabbath elevator actually would stop at every floor because it's forbidden for Jews to click the floor where the, because that's equivalent to work. If you click your floor, for example, if you come to the 16th floor here, okay, you've got to wait for every floor to stop before you go down to your floor. Now, this pastor asked uh, the people in line, is the other elevator broken? That's why this elevator, the elevator is the one that's actually lined up. And they explained to him, no, we're Jews and we're forbidden to click a floor, so they we're waiting for the Shabbat. And, oh, okay, so that means that if I am a non-Jew, I can actually go to the other elevator and enjoy any floor I want to go to. And they said yes. Okay, so so he with his entire family went to the elevator. That's really you know you know no line there. And so the moment he lined up in that elevator, the other Jews followed him. And they said, "Can you please <laughs> press the floor where I'm going?" How many of you know that that is kind of legalistic? And they're missing the point. And you, when you talk about Sabbath, it's really about, you know, is that really an effort for you to press the floor because that's considered work? What about pressing your cell phone? What about tying your shoelace? What about wearing your clothes that morning? So there are so many things that they deal with when it comes to the Sabbath, but in reality, when God gave them this law, it was meant for them to enjoy rest. But the Pharisees and the rabbis took it further. And they broke down this particular law, which is the fourth commandment. And they wrote what they call Mishnah. And they interpreted it to mean so many different ways that even if you're planting something, it's forbidden to plant. It's forbidden to reap. It's forbidden to water the plants. It's forbidden to do so, so many things that are forbidden just because of this law. Instead of them enjoying the benefit of rest 
in God, they've actually been placed a burden because of the uh, rabbinic and the pharisaical law and ordinances that was added to that law. Now, what about us as Christians? How do we observe the Sabbath? You know, early on, uh, you know, when, uh, when the Lord Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead, uh, it says in Matthew chapter 28, and this is the first uh, instance that they now are observing a different time wherein they can actually worship the Lord not on a Saturday on a Sabbath, but on a Sunday. And it says in verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, which is the day after the Sabbath, which is a Sunday, toward the dawn, the first day of the week. And what is the first day of the week? Sunday. Okay, Sunday is the first day of the week, not a Monday, right? Do you know your calendar? You know, I guess some calendars are actually, you know, some calendars are placed there. Monday is the first day of the week and Sunday is the last day. But the real calendar actually says Sunday is the first day of the week and Saturday is the last day of the week. Okay? So when, when God created everything, it's probably on a Sunday. Of course, He invented the days. God didn't really have the day when He created everything. Okay? So a group of Christians called Christian Sabbatarians have decided that as Christians, we might keep the Sabbath, but it's no longer the seventh day, but it's the first day. Of course, it's really for our uh, usage and our interpretation uh, as pastors. We don't really take a Sabbath on a Sunday. Does that mean that we're breaking the law? Because in reality, what I'm doing right now is I am working. Isn't that right? I am preaching. And this is work. So my Sabbath technically is a Monday. So don't call me on a Monday, okay? <laughs> Let me enjoy my day off with my family. So anyway, so wh when do we celebrate the Sabbath? Is it on a Saturday, on a Sunday, a Sunday, or a Monday for pastors? Okay, are we breaking any law or any you know, commandment of God if we change things? Now, how do we view Sabbath or rest day. And you know, I want to make it simple for us. I want to just uh, do an acronym for this. And this acronym is the word rest. Okay? Everybody say rest. Okay, R stands for remember. Everybody say remember. remember. E stands for enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. enjoy. S stands for sign or a shadow or a symbol. Okay? And T stands for trust. So we want to look at these four elements of rest. How do we now respond to Sabbath? What does this mean for us today in the 21st century? Everybody say, remember. So that's the first thing that we do because in, uh, according to this uh, law that we've read earlier in verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So this is one command that helps us remember the time of creation. We remember what God did during the first six days when He created the heavens and the earth. Now let's go back to the book of Genesis in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. This is an account, the account of how God created the heaven and the earth and how He celebrated the seventh day as a day of His rest. In fact, in the time of Genesis, Sabbath was not a law. Sabbath was not instituted yet as a law. It was the thing that God did to rest and enjoy His creation. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, or completed, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished. Everybody say finished. God finished His work 
that he had done and he rested. Everybody say rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed. Everybody say God blessed. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You know, when you talk about the word holy, for the first time in the Bible, the word holy appeared in this verse. And it's referring to the time when God blessed the seventh day as a day of his rest and as a time of his celebrating and appreciating what he has done in creation. Thus, when you talk about Sabbath or the seventh day, it's meant to be holy. Everybody say holy. We know that holy means, literally means, to be separate or to set apart. That's why when the Bible says that you, we are a holy people, you and I are set apart. That is exactly what it means. Tell the person beside you, you are holy. Do you believe that? Okay? We're not holy because of what we're doing. We're holy because of the blood of Christ. Amen. So we are set apart. Holy means set apart. God basically is sanctifying the seventh day, both literal and symbolic. This means that Sabbath is a day wherein we separate and elevate this day among the other days of the week. This is a special day. There's nothing like it. This is not an ordinary day when you celebrate your Sabbath or when you celebrate you know, a time of worship to the Lord. You don't work. Hopefully you don't work. Okay? And so we're, we're, we're coming into the presence of God. This is a day elevated, set apart by God. Every seventh day basically provides for us a reminder that God who created the world created it perfectly before the fall. And in fact, right after God created, He rested. He did no work. Only for a short season until the time that when Adam and Eve sinned, He started working again in sustaining the creation. And how many of you know that God created everything that we needed from day one to six? It was six days. Everyone has six days. Not billions of years. Of course, you know, some scientists would actually try to prove that, yeah, it's billions of years. It may not literally be six days, but it really depends on your point of view. But I believe when the Bible says that, we can actually take it as it is. Amen. Because a day for us is different from the Lord's day. The Bible says in Peter, a day for us is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. How many of you are tired sometimes waiting for one day to come? It's kind of like waiting a thousand years, right? Because it's exactly how it is. That when God created, you know, uh, the, the everything, the heavens, the earth, the, the animals, the vegetation, the sea, the land, it took him six days, and on the seventh day, he actually rested. Now, there are three reasons why he exalted or elevated this day. And we go back to this particular text. He said he finished the work, in it he rested, and then he blessed it. When you talk about finishing the word, he actually, he actually completed everything that we needed. Nothing is lacking in creation. In fact, when he created Adam and Eve, everything that they needed has already been given to them. Have you ever wondered why he did not create them during the first day and he created them on the last day? Because God wanted first to provide for them so that they can actually enjoy a relationship with him and not work for him. I believe God is into relationship with us. Amen. 
And even before they actually worked in the garden, all the things that they needed were provided for them. Speaks about the faithfulness of our God. That's why you and I should not worry about the coming days ahead. Amen. God will take care of our needs. Amen. You know, we, are, we don't belong to the world's economy. God has a different economy for us. Really, sometimes when you look at the newspaper, when you look at your bank account, when you look at the stocks, when you look at you know, what's happening out there, when you look at our political climate, when you look at the, you know, the, what's happening outside the Philippines, the West Philippine Sea, you know, all the other things that we're concerned about, sometimes you know, we can actually worry about the future. But I believe God will take care of our needs. Amen. God will take care of the Philippines. God will take care of everything. In the same way that He's created everything before even Adam and Eve knew Him, He already gave them everything that they needed. That's the great God that we serve. Can we just give the Lord praise this morning? Another thing why this is exalted or elevated among the other days is because the Bible says that on the seventh day, God rested. And have you ever wondered why God rested? Was He tired? You know, how many of you know that God does not grow faint nor weary? He doesn't grow tired. But the reason why He rested was really just to enjoy His creation. He ceased work because it's done. It's complete. How many of you go to the office and it seems like your work never gets done? Parang, meron pa, akala ko, tapos na ako today. And then there's another pile of work you know, that's given to you by your boss. How many of you feel that way sometimes? In the eyes of God... According to his assessment, whatever I plan to do, it's done. It's completed. And I can actually have fun and I can rest and I can enjoy and appreciate the beauty of my creation. That's the reason why he rested. God never gets tired. People get tired. You and I get tired. We need a daily rest. The reason why God wants us to rest is because we're finite beings. We are not like robots that can actually work 24-7 without any rest. You and I need to rest. And yet God wanted to show an example that though He's not tired, He wanted to enjoy the beauty of His work and His creation. So another thing why it was elevated is because God blessed this seventh day and He created perfection in the past six days. Have you ever wondered where we got this five-day work week. You know, how many of you have two-day offs? Good for you. You know, you work from Monday to Friday, and then you have Saturdays off, and then Sundays off, and you go back to work again on Monday. But in reality, in the Bible, there's only six days, there should be six days work, and one day rest. But during the time of uh, Henry Ford, there were some employees in his company who were Jews and were asking for Saturday off. And there are some who are Christians who are asking for Sundays off. So basically what they did was, okay, let's decide. Everybody should take two days off uh, for the week. And so this is a quote from his son, Edsel Ford. Every man needs more than one day a week for rest and recreation. The Ford company always has sought to promote an ideal home life for its employees. We believe that in order to live properly, every man should have more time to spend with his family. How many of you know that that is kind of true. We need time to spend with our family. Amen. And if your day off is just one day, then maximize that day with your spouse. Everything that 
God has given to us is really sufficient for us. You know, when you talk about work, we should stop working at least one day in a week. We're not designed to work continuously. Just like what our incoming president is, has always said, stop it. Okay? Stop working. Okay? Stop working at least one day a week. And go and enjoy your family. Enjoy you know, God's faithfulness in your life. And you know, when you talk about us coming together on a Sunday, I believe that there's a reason why we also remember. You know, we remember the Lord's faithfulness. You know, it's, there's always a reason why we come together on a Sunday. This is probably one common day that we have. Of course, in Victory, we also have Saturday services. So, kung uh, Saturday, sa Buddhista ka, but on Sunday, you're, you're like a normal Christian. But it doesn't really matter. Okay? Because we focus on the Lord and we set aside one day in a week. It's kind of like setting your tithe. The Bible says, Leviticus chapter 7, that the tithe is a holy thing before the Lord. It's separate, set apart. And also, Sabbath is a day that is set apart before God. In it, we worship the Lord. In it, we spend time with God. In it, we actually spend time with our family. Of course, we're assuming that every day should be a time of worship as well to the Lord. But it's only one day in a week where we can actually gather together and worship. So don't miss church. Tell the person beside you, do not miss church. I've been a Christian for about 30 years this month of July. And I think I can count with my fingers the time that I was absent from church. It's actually maybe when I was sick or when I was out of the country, maybe there's no church there, maybe I was on vacation, but it was very, maybe one hand in the past 30 years. I'm always in church. I guess because I'm the pastor, right? <laughs> but even before I was a pastor. And somehow, I'm just so grateful because my girls love church. They wake up in the morning of Sunday and are excited to go to church. And I say, why do you want to go to church? We just love church. And don't you like it when your kids love church? They love church community. They love to worship God. They like to serve God. And we can't expect our children to want the things of God if we ourselves are not in it and are not committed to it. Amen. You know, we are to remember to keep the Sabbath holy. And this is really a straight-up command. But in reality, is this really just about a day? That's exactly what we want to address in this sermon. Is it about observing it in a particular day? And hopefully, we can answer that. The second thing that we want to do is we want to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. And many times, people focus on what they cannot do on the Sabbath rather than what they can actually do on a Sabbath. And, you know, of course, for us, we are more free in Christ. But for the Jews, there's so many commands and so many rules and so many prohibitions. They cannot actually do anything on a Sabbath. But God's intention for the Sabbath is good, not bad. In fact, the Bible says that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was the Lord Jesus who said this. And in fact, He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, there were several times in the Bible where He actually violated the Sabbath. Have you read your Bible lately, the Gospels? And you've seen, you know, 
Jesus healing the sick on a Sabbath. He was actually getting grain because they were hungry on a Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, they healed the crippled guy on a Sabbath, the one with the shriveled hand on a Sabbath. It was intentional that the gospel writers are always observing the Lord and every time he would do something, he'd always do it on a Sabbath to go against the view of the Pharisees because in other words, what he's saying is it's good to do good on a Sabbath. Amen. God expects us to do good on a Sabbath and we're called to enjoy the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually a command to experience joy. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 58, even in the Old Testament, it says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find what? Joy in the Lord. You can actually be happy and you can actually enjoy the Sabbath day. Amen. And if you are, you know, if you are upright and if you're walking before the Lord, if you are worshiping God, you can actually find delight in the Lord. The Bible says, And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. What a promise. If we put our faith and if we actually delight in the Lord, He will actually cause us to enjoy this particular day. Sad to say, you know, this is not so true with other cultures. Right now, uh, I think part of the lexicon, they've added a new term called karoshi. And it's a Japanese word which means death by overwork. In fact, according to the Business Insider Australia, they said that in Japan, not taking vacation should soon be illegalized in Japan. That you ought to take a vacation already. Because of the, I guess, the pressure of work and the pressure to accumulate and the pressure to provide, some people really just don't enjoy life anymore and they work until they drop. And somehow this is a common scene in Japan. That's why if you check out the lexicon dictionary, karoshi is already now part of the dictionary, meaning death by overwork how many of you do not want to go that route i'd rather die an old age with a smile on my face with my wife beside me no no whoever okay we don't have to go together but anyway it didn't come out right what i'm saying is i don't want to die because of work you know, when you talk about family, also on a Sabbath, you got to enjoy your family. Perfect time to go out for work and play is this particular day. You know, it's a common uh, thing that we should have. Unfortunately, nowadays, we're so busy with technology that even during the time that we are actually spending supposedly together uh, in a park or in a vacation, we are facing screens, minimum of two. Uh, every hour. That even during dinner time, sometimes you still are unable to let go of that device called the cell phone. Look at the person beside you and tell him or her, he's talking about you. <laughs> yeah. So the next time you eat with your family, 
Do yourself a favor. Let down your phone. Put it on silent mode and maybe put it on another table. Don't let it near you. Don't check your emails while eating dinner. Amen? That's the only quality time that we have with our family, with our children. Let's enjoy one another. You know, there's a movie that came out many, many years ago by the title Charge. How many of you are familiar with Charge of Fire? Maybe the young people are not familiar with this anymore. It's a classic movie, classic film about two British runners, one Christian and one Jewish runner. The Christian is named uh, Eric Liddell and the, and the Jew is actually named Harold Abrahams. There's a scene where they're actually showed separately and the statement of Eric Little is this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel His pleasure. You know, for him, his work in running is not work because he's feeling and he's enjoying it and he's feeling the approval of God in his endeavor or in his accomplishment. Whereas the other one named Harold Abraham, the Jew, is having his massage and this is his statement. And now in one hour's time, I will be out there again. I will raise my eyes and I look down the corridor four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I be able to do it? Can you imagine the whole point of this is one is working but yet he feels like he's resting the other one is resting in a massage room, but he feels like he's still working. And I believe God wants us to enjoy our work every single day. Amen. That even while you're working, it seems like you are resting. Now, don't sleep during the time of work, okay? That's different. You may get fired for that. The reality is, whether you like it or not, you will rest. Tell the person beside you, you will rest. You will rest voluntarily. You will rest involuntarily because you get sick. Or you will sometimes rest permanently. Rest in peace. But nonetheless, you and I will rest. We're designed to rest. God calls us to rest. Our bodies are not designed to work the whole time. Third thing is, when you talk about Sabbath, Sabbath is actually a sign or a symbol. Now here is where it gets tricky. It's just a sign. Among the other commandments, the other commandment has been quoted numerous times in the New Testament, but nowhere can you find the Sabbath being a command in the New Testament. It's actually a sign, something that points towards something or someone. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my what? Sabbath, for this is a sign. Everybody say, this is a sign. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, what? Sanctify you. Does God mean that just by following the Sabbath, we are being sanctified? What he's saying is, it's a sign that something with the Sabbath deals with our sanctification and redemption. In another verse, it says in verse 16, Therefore the people of Israel shall, shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day 
he rested and was refreshed. How many of you are familiar with signs? How many of you know the purpose of a sign? A sign is meant to do what? To point to something. So for example, if you're going to Baguio, and if you see a Baguio sign with an arrow, is that Baguio already? Can you imagine if you're driving to Baguio? Oh, Baguio! Kids, we're here! Everybody go down. Ooh, it's cold here. Wow! I feel Baguio already. How many of you know that's stupid? Because Baguio sign is not Baguio yet. Baguio sign is actually a sign that tells us this is the way to Baguio, but you're not there yet. But you're going there. And a Sabbath is actually a sign that points us to someone. Mm. Mm. Sabbath is actually a symbol or a shadow, if I may use that, that was placed in the middle of the commandments in order for us to be able to be pointed to Christ. You know, in the different covenants that God has made with man, there's always a sign or a symbol. You know, when God spoke to Noah and when the, 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 you know, the world was destroyed by flood, what was the sign of the covenant that God made with Noah? A rainbow. How many of you have seen a rainbow in your, in your life, at least once in your life? It's not just a work of science. It is a sign from God. And the Bible says a rainbow is meant to remind us that God will never destroy the whole earth with flood ever again. And how many of you know that God is faithful with that covenant? In the Abrahamic covenant, there's also a sign that God had. And He said, every male in your family and your clan should be circumcised. So the sign of the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. This deals with the men, okay? Without any malice. This is the sign of the covenant that God gave with Abraham, which is to be observed by his family down the line to the next generation. Now, when he gave this covenant to Moses, the Mosaic covenant, which is what we have in the middle of the Ten Commandments, commandment number four is the sign. The sign of that covenant is what? Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath is a sign for us to know that we cannot achieve rest just by following a certain day, but we need someone to ultimately give us rest. Amen. And I guess you know who that is. Christ abolished the observation or the observance of Sabbath in the legalistic point of view of the Jews. Are we getting it this morning? So to answer that question, what is the real Sabbath? Is it really on Saturday? Is it on a Sunday? Is it on a Monday? Or is it any day? Because Sabbath is supposed to be spent with Christ. You know, the Sabbath observance went away uh, with all the rest that belonged to Judaism. He eliminated uh, the priesthood. He eliminated the temple. He eliminated the Holy of Holies. He eliminated the sacrificial system. Basically, Jesus went to show them that the picture of the priesthood was He is the priest. 
When you talk about the Holy of Holies, He is the Holy of Holies. When you talk about the priesthood of the believers, we are the priests unto God. And when you talk about the ultimate rest, He is the one that gives us the ultimate rest and not based on a day in a week. But, I want to be careful here. It doesn't mean that we will throw already the celebration of Sunday worship. It is still important for us to follow. Not as a source of our salvation, but as a source of our edification and worship and reverence and, and remembrance of God's faithfulness for our lives. Amen? Can we give the Lord praise this morning? Thus, these observances of the Mosaic Sabbath and the temple ceremonies have come to an end because they were not realities in themselves, but just a shadow. Everybody say shadow. A shadow or a sign of the things to come who is in reality Jesus. That's why Jesus said, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath means that He can do whatever He wants on that day. And the Apostle Paul clarified this further in the book of Colossians. And he said, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. He said, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It is found in a person. And lastly, I want to end with trust. Ultimately, the reason why we observe the Sabbath, it is all a matter of faith. And we put our trust in the complete work of Christ on that cross. The purpose of the Sabbath is to point to man's inability to gain rest from his endless labor and to toil in order to earn salvation. Now I believe that that has been the journey of man all along. You talk about different kinds of religion. All world's religion would always say, do this, do that, in order for you to gain access to the presence of God. But in reality, Jesus completed the task on that cross. And ultimately, He did the work for us so that you and I can enter that rest that He promised for us. Jesus literally did away with the Old Testament Sabbath system. And the true spiritual rest is acquired through faith in God. Christ is the reality of the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is a sign. It's a symbol. The substance of the Sabbath is Christ Himself. Therefore, in Hebrews chapter 4, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. We got to put our faith in this thing and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And He promised that we will enter His rest. And He's given us an invitation even in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. And He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will what? Find rest for your soul. The focus of Sabbath is not on a day, but in a person. And His name is Jesus. 
we actually don't enter a day of Sabbath. We enter the person of Christ. And it's exactly what He did on the cross. He wants everyone to have permanent rest in Him by receiving salvation for our souls. The reason why we can actually remember and look back is because back in Genesis, you view God as Creator. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you view God also as Redeemer, the one who actually redeemed and delivered the nation of Israel from the bondage of slavery. In the same way, Jesus delivers us from the bondage of sin in our lives so that you and I can actually have eternal rest with Him without striving, without working anymore for our salvation because He actually did it for us. True rest comes from Christ alone. Can we just bow our heads right now as we come to a close? Father, we just want to come before you and enter your rest. We thank you, Lord God, that indeed you are the God who has given this day to us as a sign and as a symbol so that we can actually enjoy your presence in our, day, in our lives, Lord. If you are here today and maybe you have found your soul not having rest and you want to enter in, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Maybe there's just so many things, so many storms you're going through right now, many confusion. Maybe you're going through uh, something in the area of your marriage, maybe in the area of your uh, physical uh, body, or maybe in your area of career, finance, whatever that is. Let's just lift it up the Lord right now. If you want rest from the Lord and are refreshing right now, lift your hands up before the Lord. Father, bless your people today. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will come and let them enter your rest. The rest that is not just physical in nature, but the rest that actually gives us stability even for our soul and our spirit, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we put our trust in you, we can actually enter in and enjoy your presence in our life, knowing for a fact that you have taken care of everything that we need because you are our faithful God. Thank you, Lord. You may put your hand down. One last prayer before we sing this song. If you are here today, and if you have not entered the rest of God, meaning to say that you are not yet born again. Jesus Christ did the work for us on the cross. And all He's asking is that you enter His rest by putting your faith in Him. And if you are here today and if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, with all heads bowed down, every eye closed, can you please just lift up, lift up your hand right now so that I can pray for you? Anyone at all, just lift it up. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just lift up your hand so that I can pray for you. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. If you're lifting up your hand or if you don't want to lift up your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. Can we just join in as we pray together this prayer? Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who worked for me so that I can find rest for my soul and my spirit. Thank you for your forgiveness. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of eternal life that you have given to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.